We've been in a kind of exile, haven't we? And um, we're back here together today. The prophet Jeremiah told the exiles in Babylon what the Lord said about a return. And just as we've been able to return to worship in our church here, the Lord said, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. So let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for having plans for us and for bringing us together again to worship you through Jesus. Thank you for your promises to hear our prayers and to prosper us. And thank you for protecting us from harm. Dear Lord, it's with great joy that we can meet again here at St Stephen's in your name and that we can praise your name all together again. But Lord, we also thank you for your provision of technology so that we could praise you together online and we thank you for all our fellowship who continue to be with us as our service is broadcast. Lord, we do ask for your love to be with those of us who couldn't come today. Some who are far away, others who are unwell or otherwise at risk. We pray that you comfort and help them and that they will be able to meet with us as soon as possible. Father, we thank you for the work you've given us to do in bringing the name of Jesus and your word to our community. We ask, Lord, that you do continue to help us in that and to assist us to find ways to reach people in our community. We ask that you open people's hearts and that especially in this difficult time, of the COVID that people will turn to you. Today we pray especially for Roger and Amanda Kingdom in Newman and Ada, Eliza and Benjamin and their new baby. We ask Lord that you smooth their return from Perth to Newman and that their ministry there will continue to be fruitful. Lord, we pray for our youth today. We thank you for all the people who work in scripture in our public schools and for Sandra at the high school and we thank you for those who support playtime and kids zone where our own children are learning about Jesus. We know Lord that you love our children and that we have much to learn from them in trusting you. Father in this COVID time we also pray for our political leaders who've helped to protect our community we pray for the Prime Minister and the Premier and we also thank you for the way that the opposition parties have supported them and backed up their messaging. And we ask, Lord, that in the future we see more of this kind of political cooperation. We pray for our Archbishop Glenn and Diane and for our Bishop Chris and Belinda as they lead our wider church through this crisis. And we thank you particularly for Prash and Emily, Harriet, Sampson and Wes, 
as they've led this congregation through all this troubled time. We thank you, Lord, that you remain with us always through Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Now, let's pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, Matt's about to come up and read the Bible to us. He's reading from uh, Psalm 23. Uh, we don't have Bibles in the pews just due to the COVID-19 restrictions, but it will be on the screen for you. Good morning. The Bible reading this morning is Psalm 23, beginning at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. And good morning to those of you at home as well. My name is Ben, and it's my privilege to open the Word of God for us and to, as we talk and think about Psalm 23. Did you know that this year is Beethoven's 250th birthday? Uh, and in celebration of this, uh, the radio station Classic FM played the top 100 Beethoven songs over a weekend. Their subtitle for this program was Songs for Hope and Humanity. And I like Beethoven as much as the next person. I think Bach's better, but Beethoven's pretty good. But his music, although it can inspire us, cheer us up, motivate us, or bring us to tears, it doesn't provide hope or humanity. This is why we're turning to the Psalms. The Psalms are the songs of God's people, and in the Psalms we find true hope as we see that God has been faithful to his people throughout all generations and that he will continue to be faithful to us still and he will equip us to weather any storm. And in the Psalms, we find that true humanity 
is only found by responding rightly to God's chosen king, Jesus. And so that's why over the next three weeks, we'll be looking at the Psalms and trying to learn who God is as he reveals himself to us in the songs of his people. Please pray with me as we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you give us ears to hear and hearts to understand that you may work in us by your spirit and help us to become more like your son. Amen. As you heard today, we're looking at Psalm 23. This is probably one of the most well-known psalms in history. It's a psalm that has ingrained itself into the cultural consciousness. You see it in TV shows, movies, advertising. It's everywhere. But as you heard it read today, it may have sounded a little bit strange. It sounded odd to me when I was reading it and preparing this sermon. My mind just wanted to keep inserting these and thous all throughout it. It wanted to say, maketh, instead of make. Because in our consciousness, it's kind of remembered in King James English. Even when I was talking to my dad last week, my dad said, what, what are you preaching on? I said, Psalm 23. And he looked at me blankly for a while until my mum interjected and said, he means the 23rd Psalm. Then my dad understood what it meant. <laughs> we know this Psalm so well, we often forget to stop and reflect on it. And that's the privilege we have this morning, to slow down and to see what this great psalm teaches us about who God is through all of life. The psalm starts in a meadow. The grass is green and soft. A stream of cool water runs nearby. There's a few trees for shade. And we are rested safe, secure. We have what we need. The sun is shining, warming our bones, and it's pleasant. We are refreshed and restored. And the question drifts into our mind, how did I get here? Usually, our most natural response to that question is, I'm here because I deserve it. I've earned it. I've worked hard enough. I deserve this rest. I've been good enough. I got here by the sweat of my brow. With my own toil, I have made it. But that's not what the psalm says. Straight away in verse 1, the psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd. And then the rest of the verses, one to three, it's all about what God has done. He leads, he guides, he provides, he restores. The psalm isn't interested in what we have done, but what God has done for us. In those times in our lives where we are in a place of rest and comfort, we naturally want to say that we've gotten there by our own hard work. We've pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps and we've made it. But the psalm reminds us, no, we didn't. 
we are in a place of safety and security because God brought us there. And we need to give credit where credit is due. As we start coming out of lockdown, as we start coming out of isolation, the temptation all over social media is to say, look at what I have done to survive. Look at how many at-home workout videos I've gotten through. Look at what I learnt to bake. Look at how much toilet paper I have in my cupboard. Aren't I great? Look at how I survived. The Christian response needs to be radically different. We need to be saying, look at what God did. Look at how he used his word to encourage me. Look at how he gave me the strength not to lose my temper with my kids when they refused to do their math homework for the fifth time. Look at what he has done for me. Look at how he restored me using Zoom online church, even though we couldn't meet physically. Our job as Christians is not to point everyone to ourselves, but to point people to God and to shout from the rooftops, look at what God has done. I am in this place of safety, security, because God has brought me here, not because I deserve it. We often ask, well, where do we find this meadow? Where can we find this place of rest and safety? Well, that is found in Jesus. Jesus says he is the good shepherd. He is the stream of living water that restores the soul. It is his word that guides us. He is the right path that God will lead us down. He is the way. When we look to Jesus, we find that meadow that God wants to bring us to. He is the bread of life that restores us and keeps us safe. So let's not fall into the trap of the world and start praising ourselves. Instead, let's use this opportunity to point people to God and show them how good he is. But then, the scene changes. The meadow is gone. Suddenly, we're in a valley. The grass is replaced by rocks, jutting out at every angle. The sun is hidden. The darkness is thick around us. We cannot see which way is right or left. And God seems to be nowhere to be found. We cannot see the hand in front of our eyes, and we don't know how to get out. And so we ask, God, where are you? Have you abandoned me? And yet again, the Psalm's answer is, God has not abandoned us. He is right there with us in the valley. Did you notice the change in language? In verses 1 to 3, God is he. We are pointing to him, saying he is doing this. But then, as we enter the valley, God is you. You are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. He is no longer over there for us to point to. He is right there next to us, standing right by our side, guiding and protecting us as we walk through the darkest of valleys. 
as we enter times in our lives of pain or suffering or hardship. We need to remember that these paths are just as right as the meadow. The right paths that God leads us down will involve valleys because God wants to teach us to trust him. We will learn in the valley. And God has not abandoned us. He is right there with us, holding our hand and showing us how to get out. But how does God know the way? How does he know how to get out of that valley? It's because he's been there. He's walked the valley before. I don't know how many tours you've been when you've been on holidays, but the best tour guides are always the people who have done it a thousand times before. They know the way like the back of their hand. They can show you all the hidden spots, the secret treasures. They can point out all the interesting tiny details that everybody else misses. The best tour guides have been there. And Jesus is one of those guides. He can take us step by step through the valley of deepest darkness because he has been there himself. He has walked that path. During his life, he faced a lifetime of suffering. He walked the path of death and then came alive on the other side, triumphant in his resurrection. Death is beaten. He has walked the path. And so he can guide us because he knows what it's like. He's there every step of the way saying, I've been through this too. Let me help you to the other side. So when you find yourself in the darkest valley, when you don't know what to do or where to turn, when the darkness seems so thick that it feels like God has abandoned you, Call out to him, say, where are you? Because he will answer, I am right here. Let me lead you through. Then, as we exit the valley, the scene changes again. We see a house, the door open wide, inviting us in, and there's a table and it's not a coffee table with a few pastries or scones. It's a banquet table, overflowing with food. The cups have more liquid than they can contain. It's a victory feast. The battle has been won. The enemy looks on. And God, as our gracious host, invites us in and says, take a seat. Let me wait on you. But yet again, this is a victory feast that we did not earn. The enemy of sin and death was not one that we could defeat. It was not one that we had the power to overcome. But Jesus, in his death and resurrection, has taken the punishment we deserve. He has won the victory over death that we could not. And because of that, we are invited into God's house to share in the victory feast. 
The victory that was won for us by Christ is ours. Yes, we still do need to battle sin. We need to rid it from our lives. And we will never be perfect until he comes again. The spectre of death still looms over this world. But the resurrection and the victory feast points us forward and says, A day is coming when Jesus will return, where there will be no more death, no more crying, no more pain. And this is the message that the world needs to hear. As you watch the news and read things on the internet, the world is in a state of hopelessness. They don't know where to turn. The Christian message is, Jesus has done it. We can have hope because he is coming again. He has won the victory for us. And God has prepared a table for us, ready to welcome us home as a gracious father. We get a small glimpse of this when we share together in communion or the Lord's Supper. That's a small symbolic meal that points us back and reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. And in doing so, points us forward and says, a bigger meal is coming. A bigger feast is on the way. When Jesus comes again, he will restore this world to what it was supposed to be. And we will live forever with him. When David says that God's love will follow him all the days of his life, he uses a very specific term for love. He wants to make it clear he's not talking about love as in, I love coffee. He's not talking about a love that ebbs and flows with emotion or circumstance. He's talking about God's special love for his people. The best way I've ever heard it summarised was from the Jesus Storybook Bible that we heard in our kid spot today. This is God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. This is the love that God has for his people. This is why we spread his message to anyone who will listen. Because God is a gracious host who will invite into his house any who will trust in him. And so we want to tell others about him. Tell them the victory has been won. God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love is waiting for you if you trust in him. And then... When Jesus comes again, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Who is God? God is our shepherd who guides us along the right paths to places of safety and security. And so we say, look how good God is. Look at what he has done for me. Not because I deserved it, but because he is good. God 
is our guide and protector through the darkest of valleys. He is the one who has walked the path before us and he is walking with us still, step by step of the way, to see us safely through to the other side. And God is our gracious host who has won the victory for us and invites us into his home for a victory feast. And then we will join with people from every nation and from every time as we join in the song that says, Surely God's goodness and love has followed me all the days of my life. God has not abandoned us. He has led us to this point and he will continue to lead and guide us. So let us use our time to point people to him, to say, look at how good God is. Come, share in his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking always and forever love. And surely we will dwell in his house, always. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us, that you are guiding us and are always walking with us. Help us to reach out to you and to point others to you with everything that we do. Amen.